0: Hey guys, so good to be here at uh, Leading Bible Talks. Uh, if you could get out your Leading Bible Group textbook, uh, that would be really helpful. Uh, and we'll be reading from John chapters 1, uh, verses 29 to 51. The next day, he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he with whom I said." After me comes a man who reigns before me. And John bore witness I saw the Spirit in heaven planted up, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and he So they came and saw what he was saying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. May God help us understand this. Um,
1: whilst I'm just getting this ready, just keep your Bibles open and also that outline. And um, it's really important because uh, today, especially in this room, it's really easy for the energy and the sound to
0: dissipate,
1: but it matters, and maybe God uh, helps us help us understand. So let me pray as we begin. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, your Word, your, the fact that you've spoken to us. We do ask as we come now and see and read and hear what you are saying that we might know that in fact Jesus is the Son of God. And believe in him, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good. Now, like many things uh, that you see on the internet, or if you see on social media, uh, the pop-up on your screen, I ask the question, is this really true? Can you tell me, uh, is this real? I got this the other day. (laughs) This made me laugh. One Australian cat, this kangaroo is waiting for the kids to come into the water with him, where he will try to drown them. They are extremely good at it. Never ever go into water with a kangaroo. Everything has lots of ways to kill you here. It amused me because lots of English people actually won't come to Australia because they think that lots of Mm -hmm. things will kill them. I know someone who won't come because of the spiders. That is, if the Australians don't kill them, the animals will. I mean, why wouldn't this be true? Everything else does kill you. Um, Actually, has anyone actually seen a kangaroo drag someone into the water and kill them before? Anyone? Anyone heard of that before? No? Or maybe yes? I don't know if it's true. Um, It's hard to actually uh, verify if no one sees that it's true. A few years ago, when the whole drop bear thing happened. You know the whole drop bear thing? Uh, It was hilarious, because the international students that focused, the poor things, were very confused whether they should go into the bush or not, actually go for a bush walk, because they were afraid that these drop bears would come down on them. If you or anyone here had happened to say, yes, I've seen it before, I might take you a bit more seriously. And if three or four of you had seen it, perhaps I would be even more likely to say, yes, well, maybe it's true. Um, Although, you know, Aussies are larrikins and they like to joke about these things, so I'm not 100% sure whether it would be true. But if a a zoologist had seen it and observed that pattern of behavior and said, yes, this is the way they actually act, I might believe them a bit more, and perhaps I wouldn't go into the water. Not that you go into the water with a kangaroo anyway, would you? Um, But perhaps I wouldn't go. What we're talking about today is what has been seen and heard and verified by credible people about an incredible claim. John has claimed in chapter one, verse one. If you were here last week, in the beginning was the Word. Jesus Christ is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word uh, Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word, he says, has become flesh. He's made his dwelling amongst us. He's come into the world. And and the disciples are saying, behold, we've seen his glory. We see the unseen God has now been seen. And those are incredible claims. Incredible claims. How is John, the writer, going to actually verify those are true? Now, time for you law students to get excited. Who's a law student here? I can see two of you. Three of you, excellent. Law, law, law students get excited because like a great courtroom drama, uh, John the writer draws in several witnesses. And you can see this throughout the book when you read on. Several witnesses from God, from above, throughout this gospel. And the first of those is John. As you can see witnesses going on here. And the first of those is John john and if you weren't in uh if you were in faculty group today or this week you would have heard about john the witnesses and of course if you weren't well join a faculty group because it's going to help you um in groups with your own faculty to be encouraged by god's word But verse 32 look take a look and john bore witness i saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him i myself did not know him But he who sent me to baptise with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptises with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. You see, what we see in the Gospel is what John has seen and heard as one of these witnesses, which is our first point today. He's a witness sent by God or from God to testify about Jesus. And as soon as he sees God's Holy Spirit descend on Jesus, he knows who he is. He knows him as the Son of God. He would have known him as his cousin, but he knows him as the Son of God. Now the verb see, look, is very important in John's Gospel. It occurs some 103 times throughout the Gospel, 10 times in this chapter alone. So John is saying something about seeing which is important. John sees... John sees the heavens opened and testifies, this is the Son of God. Now that title, the Son of God, was loaded with significance and impact. God's king was God's son. God's chosen king was God's son. And Israel had been expecting God's son to come to save them, a ruler who would bring justice amongst the nations. I've been asking this this week. If you were to have one word to describe the ideal ruler, who would it be? Or an ideal ruler of our land, who would it be? Just shout out to the masters. What would you think? Not who would it be, but what would it be? What would the uh, what would the ideal characteristic of a leader be? Honesty. Good. Yep, that's always the first one that comes up during the week. Yep, honesty. Any others? Confidence. Confidence. Ooh. diplomacy. <laughs> good, yeah. Relatable. Yeah. Um, good, good, excellent. Um, most of the answers this week have uh, involved integrity or honesty or truthfulness. I don't know if you've been reading, uh, I'm sure you wouldn't be reading about Brexit, but uh, Britain and Europe made uh, a great uh, kind of agreement about the Brexit agreement and um, uh, old Boris Johnson and... British government have been pulling a fast one on Europe and slowly been getting rid of all the agreements and doing things they shouldn't. It's not trustworthy. There's no, there's no trustworthiness about it at all. Now we want leaders who are faithful and trustworthy and who say what they, they do, what they say they're going to do, or perhaps just. Back in Isaiah, the process of This is one, the king who would come. This is the son of God who would come and bring righteousness. He was faithful. He was true to his word. It's quite an impressive leader on show. And this was predicted seven or eight hundred years prior to Jesus' coming. But when John sees the Spirit of the Lord descend on him, he goes, this is him. This is the Son of God. And if you were in first century Palestine, which we're not, the excitement meter would just be ramped up a notch or two. Well, they might be excited. You think, well, what's that got to do with me? Well, the promises were that this Son of God would actually rule the world and he would bring justice to all. So what Isaiah is saying about this king is actually for all, for all of us. It affects you and me. And as John makes these claims, you see, as John the Baptist says the things he does, and as John writes them down, it is us that actually need to make the decisions. Have you actually listened to the witnesses? And what they're saying, have you examined that evidence carefully? What will you make of this man, Jesus? Pay careful attention to what they are saying. They will show you he is from God and he is of God. A man, yes, but the God-man. Before launching into that, though, before he goes and proves that Jesus is this person. We come to this rather odd sequence of events. I don't know if you noticed that it was read just now. And John the Baptist seems to be sort of fade away a bit. And into the focus seems to come Jesus' disciples and what the disciples saw and heard. And that's the second point today. So we see what John sees and hears, but what do the disciples see and hear? And there's bits and pieces going on everywhere. I don't know if you noticed that as it was read. He comes here, and then he goes there. He tells him this, and then they go there, and then he says that. You think, what's going on? Why Why write this? Well, right from the start, I don't think this is some sort of evangelism strategy. This is not some sort of plan to tell us how to do, uh, to tell others about Jesus. No, I don't think that's why John is writing. What the disciples do comes into view. And there's a reason for that, which we'll come to. But did you notice how all the events were unfolding in verse 35? We promised the Bible talks are kind of interactive. So, have a chat about what's going on in the passage. What do you notice? Uh, What's the sort of flow of the ideas that are going on in verse 35 to 49? I don't think there's anything odd about it. So just with the person next to you, um, have a chat about that.
0: All right, good.
1: Now, hopefully, we'll bring some clarity to it in a minute. And I promised you every week. Last week was the height of the presentation. Presentations on screen. It just goes downhill from here. So I thought I'd do a little sort of presentation of what's going on. Right. So here we have yeah. the beginning of day one of that de- the first day. Uh, John, John the Baptist, Johnny Bean, from now on, is saying with his two disciples, look,
0: the Lamb of God,
1: as Jesus sort of comes on the scene. Andy, whoever it is, says, where are you staying? But anyway, he goes, come and see. Cool. Excellent. So Johnny Bean goes up into the distance, and then Andy comes to his brother, Pete, and says, Pete, we, we found the Messiah. Pete goes, Ah. Uh, and he says, well, you're going to become a rock, aren't you? Um, and then the next day, with the and the other one in the he says, let's go north, Phil. Follow me, Phil. Phil goes, OK. And then he follows him. And then Phil goes, look at that. We found the record, what the one written about who's come to save us, Jesus and others. Come and see. He goes, um, can anything good from Nazareth come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Jesus goes, you're a true living Israelite And he goes, but how? I saw you under the fig tree. Truly, you the Son of God. <laughs> That's what happened, right? So from the beginning, when John says, you are the Son of God, we end up with Nathaniel, five disciples later, all following, saying, you are the Son of God. In all the cases, in everything that happens, uh, you have someone hearing about Jesus. Um, they go and see, or they follow him, and after following or spending time with Jesus, they come to some fairly weighty conclusions about him. Look at verse 41 we found the Christ. We have found he who was written about in Moses and the prophets. Verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. What happened? They come to some conclusion when they've come and seen. Why has John written this? Why has he put this here when he could be talking about all the great things that Jesus does? What's the purpose of his readers knowing this? What's the point of the you knowing this? Well, it actually comes back to the purpose of the book. After Jesus was resurrected from the dead, Thomas, one of his disciples, doubts that he actually is alive because he hasn't seen him. So Jesus uh, appears to Thomas and his other disciples, and he said, Put your fingers here, verse 27, and see my hands, chapter 20. Put out your hand and place it in my sight. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. Who are those who have not seen him? Who's that? No, who are the blessed ones if you believe? Well, they're the ones who haven't seen, but actually have written, or read what has been written down for us. Jesus is talking about us. And so do you see why John is writing? So those who have not seen may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Who has seen the things written in this book, he says? Disciples. They're the ones who have seen And that's why our verses in chapter one are there. John is saying, we have seen it for your sake, so that you may believe. That you may come to the same conclusion that we did. Do you see all the conclusions they came to? You're the son of God, you're the Messiah, you're the one written about. You're meant to hear those, and goes, are they? They're saying, we've seen it, and we believe it. they come to the same conclusions we do. They're like the eyes and the ears, they're the conduit to fear and heed Jesus. I've asked you a question. How do you know what Jesus is really like? How do you know really know him? Well, it's through his disciples several times. They're saying, we've seen it. And it's the true testimony. And they've written it down. The uni Bible group uh, mission statement, which I talked about last week, and you're probably going to get, don't get sick of it. Don't get bored of it. Proclaim Jesus Christ to mercy to present everyone to in
0: How do we do that though How do
1: we proclaim Christ? Well, it's through what the disciples were and We've got something called Uncover, which uh, you'll be hearing about if you come to one board a bit more. Um, and we do encourage you to do it, but it actually says, uncover, see for yourself. That is, we see the real Jesus as we actually open up the written testimonies about him. That's the God of Christianity, if you don't know him, if you're not a believer in him. He's the God who speaks with words. He doesn't just communicate. He speaks with words through his disciples, but also those written words which the disciples say. God says, write it down all the way through the Bible. And the Bible's claim
2: about itself
1: is that it's God breathed out word, and that includes the disciples. He's spoken through his disciples, who both speak and write. And of course, if you are a believer, if you do know the Lord Jesus, which most of us here do, you, uh, there's going to be lots of temptations and things as you come to the uni year. Um, there's going to be lots of distractions. How do you keep going? How do you keep believing? Well, as you come back to what is written and what's been written. He's spoken through his disciples. And so I think we've got to be very careful to think that I know what God wants, or I know what Jesus is like by the way I'm feeling. Or perhaps the experiences I've had, or my environment, or my circumstances, or what that person says about God. The found the, the found foundation is what the apostles have written in Scripture. You know, Paul, one of the apostles, he to you he is to be a curse. The message is written for us. And what is written is written. And God's truth is in what has been written. You might say, well perhaps it's biased, maybe it's fabricated. And I used to ask myself those questions, and it's good to ask those questions. It's actually good to ask. Them whether they are truthful testimonies. It led me to lots of doubts about God, but actually when I started to investigate, I actually realised there was good reasons to believe. And I encourage you to read up on those things as well. Are the witnesses reliable? Um, there's like a Lee Strobel who wrote Case for Christ, or Josh McDowell who wrote the Resurrection Factor, or More Than a Carpenter*. So those are those are dated books now, but they're actually really helpful to help you make conclusions about These eyewitnesses. But anyone studying history here? Oh, wait. Even at school, when you did history, what do they always say to you about being sure about what was going on in history? Anyone remember? Yes. So, evidence, yes. yes. And the way you get evidence is? Go back to the primary sources. Exactly what John's Gospel is, the primary. Of they saw him, they followed him, and they believed in him. And we need to read on in John if we're actually going to see what they did and believe in him as the Son of God. Now, we could finish the talk there, and we could go to lunch, and you'd be going, rejoice, because talk is at an end. But you know what? When I was preparing this, something still really bugged me. And that is in verse 46 and 47, that why did Nathanael Come to a conclusion about Jesus so far. You, you notice know, it up on the screen. You're the son of God. What led him to that conclusion? Well, if you notice, when Nathanael comes to Jesus, Jesus says to him, Ah, true is his who in you there's no deceit. And what does Nathanael say? Verse 48, Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Daniel answered him, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And I was sitting there going, why is sitting under the tree so important? Why is he astounded by the fact that Jesus has seen him beforehand? Why does he declare Jesus as the son of God on so little evidence? I don't know, as you were discussing just now, whether that was one of the weird things you picked up when you did. Well... As I thought about the whole tree thing, I realized that it's not just John who sees, and it's not just the disciples who see, actually all the way through, Jesus sees. It's Jesus who sees. And Why is that important? Well, we have a little bit of Old Testament background at this point, because in the Old Testament, seeing is linked with knowing someone. And in particular, when God sees someone, he knows them. And he doesn't just know about them, you know, that they like sport or whatever it is. No, he knows they really are. They really are. Of their being. From 1 Samuel 16. When, the, when the God is choosing his king, the Lord said to Samuel, who is his prophet, this judge do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I've rejected him that is so. for the Lord sees not as man sees
0: man looks on the outward
1: appearance but God sees or looks on the heart when God actually sees he knows who they are he knows the real person Seeing and knowing the heart is what God does when he sees, he knows you, and he knows what you're really like. And I think that's the reason why Jesus is a true Israel in whom there's no distinct. How does he know? It's God. And he knows exactly what's going on, and he's, he knows them beforehand. See, in John 2, Jesus was in the room at the Passover
0: during
1: the service. the signs of Jesus' defeat. his part, was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to testify concerning that, but he himself knew what was in man. John 16. Now we know that Jesus knows all things, and do not need anyone to impression you. This is why we believe that you came. From God. See, see, when Jesus says, I saw you, Nathanael, what's he saying? I knew you. I know you. And that's why Nathanael realizes this Jesus is something special from God. I think that's why he goes, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. He
2: realizes
1: <laughs> Jesus is of God and from God. He may not understand everything, but he knows enough to come to some conclusion. See, God sees us, friends. He actually knows our hearts. He knows what we desire. He knows what we love. He knows what we think. Imagine if a movie was made about everything we thought was said and done. I don't know. I hope he wouldn't do that. I hope he wouldn't sort of show it. Imagine if your life was projected up on the screen now. Thank God he hasn't done that. But he does know. He does see. And he knows whether you are in the darkness or in the light. He knows whether you know Jesus as Lord and whether you've submitted to him or not. He can't hide, you see, because God knows and he sees. And all will be exposed by the light sooner or later. Jesus will have more to say about that. Jesus knows everything and how it will happen. Jesus knows those who He wants to actually come and see, and that includes everything in verses 35 to 51. This is the thing I was missing when I first prepared the passage. You know, one of those movies have ever seen, those movies where you get to the end of the movie and then all of a sudden you realise something and everything falls into place. Have you ever a really movie like that where you realise something? Does it doesn't make sense? Going on here, when you realise that Jesus is God and from God, and He knows and He sees everything, He's actually in charge. Overseer. What Jesus sees first? Our third point gave me a whole new picture on these verses. He is the overseer. Imagine an overseer. When I talk about overseer, right? What do you think of? Uh, I like think of manager. He's not just someone who stands there. And holds his arm, watches what's going on. But he's watching what's going on to make sure that's happening. What needs to happen? The governor is like a manager, and that's Jesus here. You notice in verse 35, he didn't just pass by John the Baptist. No, he approaches him. He approaches him. And Andrew and the other disciple, follow him. And he knows they're following him. He said, "What are you seeking? Come and see." He's inviting them to come and see. In verse 43, do you notice he gives this heavy title to Peter, the rock, because he's going to feature very heavily throughout the whole Gospel. In verse 43, he doesn't just randomly go to Bethsaida, which is in the northern Israel, he doesn't just take a two or three day trip just for fun. No, he goes to find Philip. Jesus wants Philip to come and see. He knows them before they even come to him. Jesus handpicks his followers to see what he's doing and hear what he's teaching. And that even includes someone like Judas, who's going to betray him. He knows before he even chooses them. And why is that important in John's Gospel? Why is it important for you, as you sit here, actually? Well, again, John's written this to show what type of witnesses they are. They're not just sort of band together to make up the stories themselves. Um, they didn't just pick themselves, no. Jesus picked them. They are God-ordained, not self-determined. They are the testifiers because they have been chosen to testify. And just another further reason not to doubt what's made. Now, in case you're completely confused, I'd be able to come up with a summary statement. What's that? What's that?
2: What's that?
1: do you know what's going on he knows them beforehand he chooses them for that reason to see and write down what will believe him what they will see is truly astonishing verse 51 And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's like a cliffhanger. Uh, You believe because of that, Nathaniel? You believe because I said I knew you? Well, what about this? What you will see? Fourthly, is the very gate of heaven opened. The place where God dwells, the place where God rules and judges. And Jesus is saying, it's all on me. The illusion is from Genesis 28. And in Genesis 28, Jacob, who is Luke, Israel, the father of, of Israel, if you like, well, he's, he has a dream because he's stressed. distress. He's just run away from his brother. Uh, he's just deceived his brother. And um, he's, he's, he's laying down and has a dream. And God comes to Jacob in his dream and he sees angels ascending and descending on a ladder. And when Jacob wakes up, it's important what he says, because he says, surely this was, the Lord was in this place. How awesome is this place? This is the gate of heaven. This is the house of God. So do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, actually, I am where God dwells. I am where you go to meet God. I am how you have access to God. Is he, or Jesus' is where you see God, judge and rule all men? Not only about physical place, he's talking about himself. So just, uh, as we almost close, how silly is it that our secular world wants to say that all religions are the same? And I think they say that, if you're not a believer, because they don't want to have trouble or fighting or any friction or... It's nonsense you see all religions say different things about God but no religion actually has anything quite like Jesus for he claims to be God he claims to be from God he claims to be going back to God and he claims there is no other way to God or to know God John 14 6 I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to God the Father except through me. You see, either Jesus is wrong, and we can get to God through religion or philosophy or reason or whatever it is, or all other religions are wrong, and we get to know God through Jesus. They can't both be right. And if Jesus' claim is to be taken seriously, he is the only way. Think about it. How offensive is that? probably why he's hated in our society, and probably why you might be hated too, for him. He makes truth claims that our relative world can't cope with. But that's why we need to keep coming back and seeing. We need to come and see. Come and see as you read on John. For he is God with us. And if he's the only way to God, well then surely it's crucial that you come and see There is nothing more important. He's been seen by many witnesses, and he's testified to as the Son of God.
2: So unlike,
1: unlike our death-rolling kangaroos, we can be sure that this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you haven't left yourself Uh, mysterious, and without being seen, and without being known, but through what these disciples have written, we can come and see, and peek into your Son's life, and who you really are, and to know you through him. Father, we pray that our convictions will be strengthened as we read through John, um, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. The King of the whole world. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Switch. Thanks for that, James. That was awesome. Um, hi guys, I'm Rosa. I'm a second-year nutrition diet dietetics student, and I'm going to be leading us um, in prayer this afternoon. So, would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to gather and to hear and receive your word taught to us at our own university campus. Thank you for the wisdom we can learn from John's Gospel about the importance of following Jesus.
0: Thank you that we have access to your word so that we may apply it to our lives and be transformed by the Gospel of Jesus Christ for your
2: glory. We also want to thank you and praise you for the onboard camp coming up this next weekend. We thank you for the camp's team and their dedication to all the preparation required on board. Creating not only a fun space for fellowship amongst the Unibaba group, but a place where we can learn and grow and be challenged and stretched by your word. We thank you that it is good news that you are judge and we pray that throughout all of on board, your name will be glorified. We also want to thank you for clubs day yesterday and thank you for the opportunities that we had as, as a club of UOW proclaim Jesus Christ at this university, we pray that as you would go, that you would use these conversations that um, that we had yesterday to further your kingdom and to draw people to Jesus. As we go into this next week and as uni starts to ramp up again, would your peace go with us and may your spirit be reminding us of what we have learned from your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. really great to be uh, challenged and encouraged today from God's word. Something I think that stood out to me from the talk was the fact that we can, uh, we can know Jesus through God's word through real testimonies, but also that God sees us and knows us. So just a reminder, don't forget to sign up for faculty groups and for onboard, come to onboard guys, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, if you also want any more information about your Bible group, on your handouts, there's another QR code uh, where you can, um, yeah, share comments, questions, we'd love you to fill that out. Um, there's a spot for your name and details, we'd love you to put that in the box which will be the door. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to pray for you to Dear Heavenly um, Father, thank you so much for the together today. Thank you very much, you personally, for reading, and um, thank you very much to know your son Jesus in your word. Amen. Please join us for yeah. Pledge on the Lawn, everyone. We'd love to get to know more. We might continue in the fellowship. Thank, you. thank, you. thank you.